This is episode number three with David Beamer. Welcome to the I Love Music podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. I have one announcement before we begin. So me and a couple friends last week were thinking about how I could celebrate the podcast launch. If you live in LA, please join me at 3 p.m. on October 1st at Echo Park Lake. Meet at the Boathouse. You'll need your smartphone and headphones, and we will walk around the lake together and listen to episode four. I thought it would be a fun, creative way to celebrate. For episode number three, I got to interview my friend David Beeman. I met David back in the day in Grand Rapids. David's work in the music industry is all over the board, from tour managing to live mixing to owning his own recording studio, Native Sound, in St. Louis. He has worked for the Cold War Kids, Father John Misty, Guster, Jessica Lee Mayfield, and the list goes on. We recorded this interview on the back porch in Hollywood. You might hear a helicopter or two in the background. Hope you all enjoy hearing David's story. I know I did. Hey everyone, today I'm here with David Beeman. We are currently somewhere in Hollywood, sitting on the back porch, having our conversation. Thanks yeah. David for being here today. Thanks Jen, I hope I don't get too weird here. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's just jump right into your story. Did you uh, grow up in a musical family? Yeah, my, uh, my mom and dad both played piano, and then my uh, older brother played drums and guitar so I and I just did whatever he did and I took piano lessons and was very just always played in bands growing up when I was 19 I was still playing in bands I dropped out of college uh, to just continue playing music and start touring with the band I was playing in and uh, that was at the same time that my uh, cousin knew some uh, studio owners that owned a studio called Sonic Wire in Irvine, California. And he got me an internship there, uh, sort of despite having like any engineering experience beyond like a four track, you know, cassette recorder at home. Did you have any mentors there where you learned? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I was working there, well, working in quotes, uh, I was not working, I was just like learning to smoke cigarettes and like drinking tequila. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, Richard Swift was a producer there at the time and an engineer. And also uh, Eli Thompson uh, was also an engineer and producer there. And another guy, uh, Frank Lenz, uh, was uh, kind of a player there and a producer and a collaborator with all of them. Uh, so those three guys, uh, they were about five years older than me and uh, doing some really creative, strange, cool stuff that I had never been exposed to. And uh, What was um, some of the stuff that they were working on at the time, if you can remember? Uh, well, I mean, Swift was, uh, that was probably around like the years where he was making The Novelist uh, and like dressed up for the letdown. Um, and that kind of stuff, and I have uh, memories of like background vocal sessions, <laughs> uh, and, like, and then like Eli was uh, working on his brother's record. They were called People Mover, and they sounded exactly like Radiohead. 
Uh, <laughs> at least that's what I thought at the time. I have yeah. no idea. But they were incredible. I, I, I like... Uh, what were, like, maybe one or two of the things um, by just that, you know, having that time with them um, that maybe ha you've taken away with you now with what you're doing currently? Uh, well, I guess that they were just, like... Uh, they didn't seem like scientists. They just seemed like creative, cool people that were uh, uh, gifted musicians who were just trying to make something cool and interesting. It, it wasn't, there was nothing like technical about it. Yeah. Uh, and I had up until that time, like uh, mostly played in punk bands mm -hmm. and uh, what they were doing was like, I don't know, uh, much more interesting and expansive and experimental. Uh, and it. What type of gear did they use? Um, uh, was I mean, it like analog or were they, they were, using uh, th like that studio had a tape machine that was used often, but it also had a Pro Tools rig. But it, it was like a five or six million dollar studio. There was like a huge vintage Neve console. It was like everything you could ever want. Um, but the other, I mean, the other sort of like thing about that space too was besides just being in awe of them and what they were doing was that like, I used to sneak in, uh, I'd wait in the parking lot with my friends and uh, wait till the last person left and lock the doors and then wait a half an hour in case they forgot anything. Okay. And then we would just go in the studio from like two in the morning until I would, sometimes I'd push it as far as like 7.30 mm -hmm. and uh, we'd record all night and, uh, and then, you know, leave and clean up before anybody got back and not tell anybody. Seriously. And we did, amazing. we did it for, we did it for yeah. a year, a full year, like several nights a week, I would take friends down there and do that. But the funny thing is, were you working, were you working on your own stuff or like friends? Stuff no, like, like we were just all collaborating. We were all young and like feeling like mm -hmm. that we were like really awesome and <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, but like, so we would essentially break into the studio and record all night. I was such an inexperienced engineer and it was such a complicated real studio. Mm -hmm. There'd be times we'd go there and I couldn't sort of figure out how to route everything. And we'd just sit there basically getting drunk for like five hours yeah. while I'm fumbling and, and can't get it to like make sounds or record, right, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I, yeah, I think that's yeah. a really great way to learn. Oh yeah, totally. But the amazing thing is, is that, uh, after I'd been doing that a while, um, it turned out that not only were like Swift and Eli and Frank working there regularly during the day, they were also sneaking in at night with the alarm code after everybody left. And there was like, there was a night I came in and they had already snuck in after the owners had closed the doors. Yeah. And then I walked in on them. I mean, it's terrifying. I thought I was like super busted. I was like, oh no, these are the guys that work here. And, yeah. but turns out, you know, they had the same thought that they were caught. And so it was, we didn't even talk about it. We just hung out and like did the thing, you know. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty awesome experience. I, I, I can't imagine that I would have stuck with uh, 
sort of like studio work and engineering and producing records uh, like without being exposed to what they were doing. I was really fortunate. I, I, I truly see it as like a life-changing experience that just sort of really affirmed like this is what I want to do. Like these people are so awesome. I love what they're doing. I feel so good being around what they're doing, even though I'm not contributing at that time. Mm -hmm. That like I think this is like a sustainable like feeling that I get that I will like that I could like carry throughout my life, you know, and something to you know that I would pursue. Yeah, it it really seems to have like propelled you into what you're doing now. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the, then the interesting thing about that those people is that we we kept in touch. Mm -hmm. uh, that that was 16 years ago now when that whole thing was happening, and we sort of roughly kept in touch the whole time. We'd see each other on tours, but now with you know Eli plays in Father John Misty. Um, Richard Swift is doing a record at my studio in St. Louis for an artist named Pokey Lafarge in October Amazing. for like, uh, it's like 24 days or something like that. So he's coming out. So, I mean, now it's, it's, it's just, it's strange and awesome that we are still friends and working together as peers now. Whereas they were just like my idols as a teenager. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that evolution. Sure. Yeah. Time, just like that's, that's so great. As the helicopter goes by mm -hmm. over Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how did you start working with the Cold War kids? Uh, Matt Moss, who's uh, one of the founding members, he's the bass player, and he's still in the band. Only two of the original members are left. Uh, he was basically like my best bud from junior high through like the age of like 22 and we played in bands together throughout those years and uh, we were just very close and he's a couple years older and he was also very influential to me uh, he was just always uh, just working on art both musically and like visual art and taking photographs and was just uh, yeah. so into music and art and it was, uh, I don't know, he just exposed me to a lot of cool things that I never would have heard or have, have seen or understood if I didn't know him. Uh, but anyway, like I, I'm, I had moved to St. Louis um, when I was 22 and uh, that was pretty much right when Cold War Kids started like forming the band or I guess it could have been a year and a half or two after that okay. uh, but right away like after their first few shows uh, they played a show with two gallants from San Francisco and two gallants wanted to take them on tour uh, so they started touring with two gallants and uh, I didn't go on the first tour but I told them that I could totally uh, tour manage and run sound and uh, it was, of, of course, like completely untrue. <laughs> uh, I mean, 100%. Right, I, I'd yeah. never, I'd yeah. never run live sound in my life. I thought because I could like kind of work 
small contraptions mm -hmm. at home studios and things like that I could do live sound. I had no idea uh, what it, you know, the difference is right. or anything. And same with tour managing, I didn't know what it meant. And fortunately, they didn't either because they were a brand new band, right. you know, and uh, their manager had never managed another band before. Uh, as far as I know, is at least for sure not on a professional level. So nobody had any idea uh, how things were like supposed to be or how they went or right. basically told them I would just uh, work for free uh, initially. And so they said yes. And uh, I just went out with them and did not run sound and did not tour manage for a very long time because I didn't know how. So I c obviously okay. I couldn't. And so it got to a point, uh, eventually they, you know, they asked me like, uh, when are you going to start running sound? Like on the road, you know, right. I remember it was in, uh, uh, it was in, uh, so you were just it was in Atlanta. Or trying to I was just partying. Okay. Yeah, fully yeah. partying. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything yeah. except partying and uh, helping load in gear and load out. Mm -hmm. uh, that was all I was doing. And I was doing merch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mostly just partying uh, and having fun. <laughs> 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 and uh, yeah, but uh, there was uh, in Atlanta, I remember, I can't remember the name of the club, but I was there recently again, well, maybe last year, and I was like, oh my God, this is the place. I'll let that one okay. go by. <laughs> but essentially, I just told, like, finally, I was like, they asked me if I would, when am I going to run sound? I was like, I'll do it tonight. And uh, I mean, fortunately, the sound guy at the venue was cool which is uh, not always the case. Right. And he just sort of walked me through it and made it sort of look like I was running sound, you know? Yeah. And I, but I wasn't really, I was just moving the faders, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, that was, that was the beginning. So then it was just a slow, awkward learning curve of like finding out who the cool sound guys were at venues and who wasn't cool. and getting on their good side and sort of like admitting to some of them, I have no idea what I'm doing, but please help me look, help, help make it look as though I do. Right. And like, let's do this together, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That, w that was that deal. <laughs> uh, I mean, of course, over time I got good and took it very seriously, you know? Right. And worked for him for two and a half years or so. And, mm -hmm. you know, sort of, became actually skilled at live sound and uh yeah yeah <laughs> and then like being mediocre at tour managing yeah because <laughs> yeah because a lot of a lot of bands want that um what what music did you look to like growing up yeah uh well i uh grew up in a like i wouldn't say like conservative like Christian home, but like Christian, uh, like middle, middle of the road. And that doesn't mean like, uh, anything weird. It just means like, uh, we weren't like, uh, speaking in tongues and like, yeah. you know, it was like yeah. just very normal. But so I, I like, I definitely listened to Christian music when I was young 
and like I still think that Michael W. Smith is a total badass, <laughs> fucking awesome, yeah. you know all the words, yeah. can sing them all. <laughs> uh, but I don't know, there wasn't like a, I got like I listen to Christian music, mm -hmm. and and I but I I also I listened to like mainly like the oldies station growing up. Oh yeah, uh, I did too. Yeah. Like, that was, I loved that music. I don't know why, but, well, I mean, it's still awesome today. Yeah. Um, and then I, I remember, uh, like, loving In Vogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and there's a, a PM Dawn single that I loved. Oh, yeah. And, uh... And this this is like uh, elementary school times, mm -hmm. you know. And I loved uh, what's the uh, guys uh, like vocal group? Oh, I can't. Boys to men. Boys to men. Oh, boys to men. Loved oh, boys to men. Was a huge oh yeah, fan. incredible. Whitney Houston. Oh, my I got the Barty, ba Barty. I got the Bodyguard soundtrack yeah. for Christmas. <laughs> Changed my life. Yeah. Uh, and then. Uh, just getting into junior high, thank God, like, my brother was really into Nirvana and Weezer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just, like, really glad I didn't go into junior high just listening to PM Dawn and, yeah. <laughs> you know, in Vogue. Like, right. I would have gotten my ass kicked probably <laughs> if I didn't know who Nirvana was or right. if I wasn't into Weezer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, he got me into, like, kind of just, like, alternative 90s rock. But then I was, I, I got, I was into The Clash and, like, mm -hmm. sort of in the jam and, like, 70s English, like, punk rock stuff quite a bit. But then also, like, sort of, a, like, 80s pop punk, like, The Descendants and right. The Queers and Screeching Weasel and, like, all that kind of uh that kind of stuff yeah and then thankfully i mean cause i guess because i did like oldies and like new beatles tunes and you know uh whatever <laughs> i i got into like good music eventually right you know but it took me a while you know yeah. I, I it's like all through high school i just listened to punk rock and not until like sort of 19 to like 22 or 23 today get into like the real good old music soul yeah. music you know yeah all that kind of stuff so you, you create music too yeah yeah definitely um I, can i can i tell a story that i remember about you yeah totally <laughs> it was back in michigan yeah uh i was uh i think i was planning a trip to go to africa with a nonprofit, mm -hmm. and i was i had the genefit and oh, you, yeah. you played, you played, uh, oh, holy shit. yeah, acoustic show at Founders at the old Founders. Oh, yeah. For those of you that know Grand Rapids and Founders, but yeah, I remember <laughs> I heard that might've been one of your first like solo show shows in a while or uh, do, you do you remember at all or am I, uh, that was very likely, yeah. One of the first three shows that I ever played in my life as like singing and playing my own songs yeah <laughs> i would have been horrified like yeah like vomiting like during the set terrified because <laughs> yeah. like i couldn't sing even yet 
I could barely play guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, but, oh my God, yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, and I was like, oh, he's so good. That's incredible. I don't <laughs> know how anybody could take that away from that. <laughs> I thought it was great. Uh, what influences um, your music now? The way that, like, the way that I am influenced to write is always uh, each song is pretty has like some sort of singular uh, influence uh, in a way that it's like uh, if I hear a cool song or sound or something mm -hmm. I just it ends up just like uh, influencing me to f like feel creative or it inspires me to write something mm -hmm. and I uh, I don't um, uh, write uh, in a way that like is uh, like a like a student would do homework or something <laughs> yeah. like just yeah, like yeah, sit yeah. and make shit up with like sort of a certain feeling and then you know eventually actual words come out and actual melody and 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 it gets done so it, I don't know it's I don't that's that's kind of a funny thing for me to even think about because it like it, it would be really embarrassing to to show somebody like how i write a song because yeah, it's the process yeah it's literal yeah. mumbling and yelling and like singing and talking and you know it's just very improvised mm -hmm. and it's just sort of i just look for uh something that through improvising i look for something that really I can't ignore and that really grabs my own attention and that makes me feel uh, really good in whatever way or uh, completes like a emotion or a feeling or something like that and then I sort of like build it around that thing that I find. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah no, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, but certainly, yeah, you know, uh, then recording, then when the song gets recorded, it'll be like, oh, you know, I've been listening to the Beach Boys lately. Let's like stack a bunch of harmonies or, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's just like the fun part, you know, but totally. I don't know. Yeah, it's like pretty uh, improvised, I guess, how it how it all works or how it comes together. Yeah, I think that's just the creative process in general. Yeah, everyone has their own way. Yeah, and, and I feel uh, uh, like a bad artist sometimes or guilty that I can't sit in a bar and like write a poem and then make it a song. Like I can't do that. Or I can't like sit and like write a story and then make that a song. But I don't know, I get, that's, uh, the older I get I realize it's like fine, that's just not who I am and I, if I let that stop me from being creative then I'm not going to make music anymore and I'm going to feel bad all the time. Cause I'm not making music, so yeah. whatever, you know. Yeah, you gotta do what. Yeah. However you work. Yeah, it I happens the way it happens, and I, at this point, I just have to accept it. Yeah. <laughs> and run with it, you know. Yeah. Um, do you have like a preference of music that you really just enjoy playing? Because you you you, you played in Ane as well. Yeah. Because um, that was like more pop. Yeah. Um, or does it, or does it like just keep you growing and like who you're, you know, yeah. and what you're doing? 
Uh, I just, uh, I mean, I, I, I can't jam, you know? I can't just like play with whoever. I have to like know what I'm supposed to be playing. Yeah. And it needs to be like pretty elementary or I can't play it. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I just, yeah, I, I, I like to just, I'm not, I don't care about like a specific genre or, mm-hmm. you know, style or anything. I just, it's fun to, uh, I just like playing music that I don't know. That's pretty trite sounding, but just that like makes me feel good. Or I just like, I guess I like playing. Well, I mean, I guess also if I feel like I'm actually contributing something, uh, it feels good. And Mm -hmm. I also, I I like playing music with people that I think are really like great people, you know? Yeah. That feels really good. And if uh, the people involved are like, uh, feeling like pleasure and happiness from it, like that feels really good at well as well, you know. I don't know. It's not like a specific style or anything. Yeah. More of a like sort of community focus or something on it. Yeah, the group effect. Yeah. The, like just creating, creating great stuff with mm-hmm. like good people that you enjoy being around. I yeah. think that's like huge in any. Yeah. In any facet of life in general. Yeah. <laughs> in music especially. Yeah, totally. Um, what's the music scene like in St. Louis? That's a, there's so many ways to sort of think about that question and address it, but like sort of what the easiest way for me to think about it or the way that makes the most sense is that like um, in the last uh, five or six months, I've gotten to like record and work on uh, some of the coolest records that I've like ever heard or gotten to be a part of. And uh, they range from uh, like 1920s jazz mm-hmm. uh, that, that were like uh, composed in the 20s from St. Louis artists that nobody ever recorded all the way to like um, like very like uh, t- like from that to like basically like very modern like Springsteen ish but more modern rock and roll mm-hmm. and uh, they are incredible records and like it's very unlikely that anybody will ever hear them like as far if we're talking about like a substantial amount of people so like the st louis music scene to me to put it succinctly is like there is all kinds of incredibly talented like hard-working gifted people making all types of music like spanning the whole spectrum uh and it's just our own thing (laughs) because because there's no music industry there's like a couple small labels and you know uh i'm involved with one of them now and so you know we're going to try to work to get some of this stuff heard but i don't know it's this precious beautiful little secretive thing you know in a way it's just it's very unaffected by uh 
the industry or money or radio play or managers or labels, you know? That's so amazing. It, yeah. And yeah. you have a, a recording studio called Native Sound. Yeah. Um, you, did you, I, I heard you renovated it and like mm -hmm. knocked out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had been, I finally started like full time uh, engineering and producing records about five years ago. And uh, in 2013, I had uh, an opportunity to do sort of a gut rehab on a very dilapidated building in St. Louis. Um, and sort of built the studio that I always wanted. I'd been making like cool recordings with cool bands out of whatever makeshift space for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And uh, finally like sort of got like the good sounding room and like, uh, you know, my own real space that I own kind of thing. So yeah, I mean the goal, the goal with that studio is um, uh, basically like all out, like, just like full on, like as hard as we can possibly work mm -hmm. and, uh, to like, you know, really make incredible records with people who want to want to work with us. So <laughs> we will just like, like go to whatever length to like make it the best possible thing it can be, you know. Uh, there, like, there is like no cynicism allowed, like from myself and like the other two guys that do sessions there. It is just like full on, like we are serving, like the artist and doing right. every fucking thing possible to help them make the best possible thing that they can, you know. And I know that's like very sort of general, but. Uh, to me, it's, it is the most important thing. I'm just like, I will do whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good attitude to have. Yeah. And, yeah. To, to just like really make it happen, mm -hmm. you know? So I, ha I have many conversations when I'm actually producing records where it's like, uh, I feel like it's important to be able to explain why you think something should be this way or it could, or it could be this. Like, I don't think that it's good enough as a producer to just be like, because it should be, you know? Mm -hmm. So I like, I like have like a lot of like, I'm going to look you in the eye conversations and like tell you why I think this is cool and why it's better. And then you look at me <laughs> and tell me why you think it's stupid <laughs> and why your idea is, is cooler or sounds better or is more interesting or yeah. is more clever or whatever, you know? Uh, and that's like the really fun part, you know. But the ultimate best part is that um, three or four days a week, sometimes less, I guess, uh, people who are either my friends or I'm acquainted with come into the studio and sit on the couch and uh, play me the songs for the first time that we're going to record in the near future. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're always nervous as fuck. Oh, I bet. You know, not because it has nothing to do with myself. Right. It's just yeah. like they're not used to just like another single human 
staring at them and really listening to what they're saying and what they're playing yeah. and what they're feeling, you know? And, uh, but yeah, I mean, a few times a week, it's just like a human that I love or I'm acquainted with comes over <laughs> and just like bears their soul. Yeah. You know, it's so it's huge. awesome. It's yeah. the best part. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. What, I mean, the music industry isn't easy by any means. Like what keeps you going? What keeps, you know, you mm-hmm. doing what you're doing? I personally, uh, like, am in a fairly, or I would say, like, extremely luxurious position where, like, uh, and this ha- this is uh, nothing to do with, uh, like, status or money because I am not in a luxurious posi- position with status or money. Um, but I am in a position where uh, I do have a lot of freedom uh, and, and freedom to, to sort of choose how I spend my time and, uh, with whom I spend my time. Um, and that is, uh, like extremely, uh, significant and important to my happiness. And, uh, and so that is sort of like, I, like if I, I've never, in other words, I've never worked with an artist uh, on the road or in the studio that I did not care for or enjoy spending time with. Of course, there are people that drive me insane and there are people I disagree with, uh, but I've never had um, or been forced into working or had to pay the bills by working with like people that are unkind or like completely unpleasant in every way to be around, you know? Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's just kind of it, you know? And now, since I'm older and have more experience and I can get better work, uh, it affords me a little bit even more leeway of just like being really uh, sort of choosy and picky of, Mm -hmm. of who I go out with and that kind of thing, you know? Uh, and if I didn't have that, I don't think I would have made it at all, you know. Um, so you just got off tour with Father John Misty. Do you have any memorable moments from that tour? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, what were you doing for FJM? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm, uh, I, I'm the monitor engineer for Misty. Nice. And, uh. It's, uh, I guess, sort of uh, in-ear, like, monitor engineer is notoriously, like, a terrible job. Uh, people get fired after one day, like, really? often. I yeah. have no idea. Oh, my Oh, gosh. yeah. Like, monitor engineer is, is like, is terrible. Okay. It is, it's oh, like. Okay. Oh, wow. They go through, like, bands go through monitor engineers, like, all the time. Like water. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and they're, they're all on in-ears, so it's like, and they all have their own mix. It's, you know, six or seven mixes, depending okay. on who's playing with the band. And those mixes, because they're with ears, are like, you know, a half of a centimeter from their eardrums. They can hear every detail, and it's very psychological. It's like, because it's an unnatural feeling, and it's isolating. But, um, and I'd never done it before, uh, so I was terrified going in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
I really just love how you you're you're just like thrown into a situation. Yeah. And you just like learn how to do it. Yeah. Well, the, I, I was smart enough this time because I had so many friends that play in the band that I truly care about. There was no way I would take a job that I didn't feel like I could do a good job. You know that right. I could succeed at. Yeah. Uh, because. I didn't want to embarrass all of them and they recommended me for the job. Right. So I mean in my interviews, you know, for the job, I told them I've never done this ever. Like, right. you know, like yeah. I don't know how to program the digital consoles, blah blah blah. Yeah. It was very straightforward with them, but they hired me anyway. Um, that's so that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, being like uh, nice <laughs> gets you so much further than actual talent sometimes. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, I, I do. It it, it worked out. Uh, I, you know, it 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 worked out. It it's it was good at like thirty five and to be in sort of like studio touring career for a really long time mm -hmm. it was good to be totally challenged again and to learn something new right. uh, so that you know there's like actual growth again and not just like wow oh, same old shit here we go again you right. know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was scary and intimidating and that was good for me you know it like made me tougher and like I was vulnerable again for a while and like it was really good, you know. Um, what was it like uh, working with Josh? Uh, it's honestly awesome. Uh, you know, he has, like, he treats the band and the crew exceptionally well, and uh, you feel very appreciated for what you do. Uh, he is a fucking maniac on stage you know yeah i saw him for the first time friday yeah. at bell ray and yeah was just blown away yeah i mean i've been a fan for many years like since saxon uh saxon shore yeah and yeah uh, i was just like oh my gosh yeah <laughs> and, and and but the, the thing is it's just like you know he's a fucking great entertainer and good singer and good songwriter and uh you know uh, it's it's entertaining like sort of for the crew as well you know it's yeah. it's cool to work for a band and, a, and an artist that like really goes for it and is entertaining and like uh i don't know and you get to different. work with a bunch of friends yeah too. yeah and the band it, yeah. you know it's the band like is so insanely talented and goes for it every night it's I don't know. It's I. It's hard. Like I, like specifically asking, working for Josh. Like what that? What's that like? It's, it's not. A, it doesn't feel like working for Josh. It just feels. Even though it is like it's his band. You know, it's like it's his songs and everything. It's. I don't know. It's. It's just sort of working for everybody. It's definitely like a super tight team. You know. Yeah. Like working together. Uh, it's fun. I mean, he's funny as fuck and <laughs> <He's hilarious. laughs> endlessly entertaining. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I when I was at FYF on Sunday, with the whole like windows. Yeah. 
don't, in the background. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Well, none of us knew that was happening. Oh, you, oh, you didn't? No, a band, uh, management, crew, nobody knew that was happening. Really? Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So he just set it up on his own with like... Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I didn't... E- I, I have no idea, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, and then like the Apple, like... Yeah, I have no I idea. <laughs> yeah, it's just something Josh did. It's great. He's hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, what is next for you? What are you working on next? Uh, we've got two more shows with Misty and the record cycle's done. Um, so we're done until his next record comes out. Um, I've got uh, records by several St. Louis artists that are about finished. Um, I worked on... Um, a record for a, a group called Arc Iris out of uh, Providence, Rhode Island. But their newest record just came out like three days ago. So the one that I worked on won't be out for like two more years. Okay. But I'm hoping to sort of get back with them and like uh, work on some more vocals and get stuff sounding cool. We just did a bunch of days of tracking and, nice. and, and they went home, that kind of thing. Um, and then I've got uh, the record that Richard Swift is producing at my studio for Pokey Lafarge. Um, I'll be engineering, and Swift will be producing. Amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it should be good. And then... Uh, Are you going on tour with anyone else? Or? Uh, I'm going to go do monitors for Guster for four days, filling in. Their uh, regular guy is uh, unavailable. And then uh, sort of uh, Tess and Dave, Dave Vanderveld's uh, band and his I, partner I, Tess Shapiro. Uh, yeah, they opened yeah. for Misty on Friday and it was, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I, like basically whatever I can do for them and however I can be involved, like uh, their stuff's just really important to me. So they'll, they're, they're uh, having a baby in like four months and uh, are thinking about doing the, the baby on tour thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I might be working for them. Cool. And then... Uh, their live show is like so much fun as well. Oh, like, yeah. It's I, insane. I just, yeah. Yeah. And then Kristen, uh, she needs to get a record out. Um, so however, I can just kind of... Yeah, she has a new project. Kristen is uh, David's wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah her, her new band is called Made Up. Basically, however she wants me to help, whatever she needs, uh, she can record and, you know, do everything just fine. Uh, she's not like a super, she's not like a professional engineer, so if she does want, like, live drums and stuff like yeah. that just down to help her however she needs it but that's great well you yeah. have a lot of good things yeah coming up. yeah it should be good yeah thanks so good. much for doing the podcast today yeah thank you jen it's been good hanging the last couple of days <laughs> thank you david and be sure to check out david's studio at nativesoundrecording.com also sponsorship is available please email me at i love music podcast at gmail.com if you're interested So you might have heard David mention Eli's project, People Mover. 
I just want to be clear that this isn't the band that dresses up in the Yeti costumes and goes by PPLMVR, aka People Mover, two separate projects at different times. Thanks again to Bang Ups for the theme music, Dan Portnoy for the use of his sound equipment. I'm leaving you with a song of David's project, The Old Lights. Take a listen. I've been losing my mind, can't get no rest, letting my body do what feels best most every night. Then the next day I feel like shit, but it's nothing you did.